Well, how was your Thanksgiving? Is it good? Are you guys ready for a Christmas season already? <laughs> oh, man. I was just talking with someone just a little while ago who was sharing how they've already gotten a bunch of their Christmas shopping done. How many of you already started that, by the way? Any of you started your Christmas shopping already? Oh, man. You guys are just awesome. I, for me, I procrastinate on these things way too much. And usually what I end up doing is trying to think, okay, now what can I think of them at the, for this person at the last minute that they would actually want? Because, I mean, I bet if many of you, you've gotten gifts yourself that you really didn't want, but they were, it was a nice gesture, right? Um, I remember as a kid this very, very clearly for myself. You know, some of you might have the necktie stories. You know, you've got these Santa neckties hanging in your closet. And you're like, when am I going to ever wear this thing, right? Well, for me, my, my experience around getting a gift I didn't particularly care for was when I was about 9 or 10 years old. Um, and I remember it well. It was a Christmas morning, and all the family had gathered at my, my parents' house for Christmas you know, to give my brother and I our, our stuff for Christmas. So my grandparents were there, and my aunt was there, and my uncle and his family were there, and we were all kind of exchanging gifts. And I remember... Um, I, I don't re- actually, I don't remember a whole lot about what I received that Christmas or even what I wanted. I just remember one gift in particular, and it was a gift that my aunt gave me. And I don't remember it because I liked it so much, but because how I didn't like it. I opened up this package, and I found that it was this big styrofoam airplane with stickers on it, about yay big. And I remember looking around at at the room and saying, what is this? I don't want this. That was the year my mom and dad taught me about what it means to have gratitude. (laughs) You see, I was too young to understand at that time that my aunt couldn't even afford that. She was just barely out of high school. She was in her late teens and she was trying to scrounge up money to give gifts to her cousins and to her nephews and... I didn't get that, but I really clearly got the message when my dad grabbed me by the arm and walked me outside under a cedar tree to give me a story about how I needed to be grateful. And that I, I remember very clearly him saying, you know, you know what, son, everyone doesn't owe you a present. But this is a situation where you need to understand, whenever someone gives you something, you need to be grateful. Gratitude. It, it's not something that comes naturally, does it? I mean, we're born and we come out of the womb crying, expecting people to provide for us, to give us what we want, what we need. And we grow up expecting that our parents are going to wait on us, hand and foot, to meet every need. And even as adults, we're constantly barraged by ads that are telling us what we deserve, which is whatever they happen to be selling at that time, right? Thanksgiving... It's a natural time for us to think about gratitude and thanksgiving. But how many of us would say that that's something we think about all year long? That it's a practice that we, I mean, every single day that we remind ourselves of what we are truly grateful for, what we're, we're thankful for. This month, we've been in a series of messages called Entrusted. And we've come to discover that we are entrusted and that we are to guard, we're to invest wisely those things that God has entrusted to us. That God has entrusted to us time on this earth and, and talents and, and treasures. And he wants us to be good stewards, to, to be good managers of those things because they're all his. And actually what I've come to understand, what I've come to realize through this series is that when we truly understand and appreciate that everything that we have 
on this earth, everything that we have been entrusted, our time, our talents, and our treasures, when we truly realize that they are a gift from God and not something that we're entitled to, I believe that our only response can be gratitude. Thanksgiving, right? I mean, that's what we're going to see today in Psalm chapter 107. In fact, if you have a moment, I would encourage you to turn there in your Bibles to Psalm 107. And as you're turning there, to recap, what we've seen through this series is that God has entrusted us with time. And God doesn't expect us to be busy with it all the time, but He does expect us to be selfless with it. And then in week two, we talked about the talents or the gifts that God has given us, not only to help us provide for ourselves and our families, but to help us to make a kingdom difference in the world. And then last week, we talked about our treasures, these resources that God has entrusted to us. And we realized that God wants us to invest many of those in heavenly treasures rather than in earthly trinkets here. Today, what we're going to see is that everything we have, our very lives, are a gift of God. And our response can't help but be gratitude and thanksgiving. So Psalm 107, starting in verse 1. This is what it says. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. For He has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. I like how the psalm opens up here because it's Opening up, opening up by reminding us to do something, right? To, to give thanks, it says in verse 1. In verse 2 it says to speak out, to share with other people what God has done in your life. When we look at the rest of this chapter, what we see is the, the psalm writer explains all of these many, many things that he's grateful for. Some that are expected and some that really aren't expected. Yeah, he he thanks God for the good times. He thanks God for the ways that he's been there for him. But he also thanks God for the bad times, for the difficult times, for the challenging times in life. I mean, look at verse 4. He's thankful there for when he was lost and and homeless. In verse 5, he's thankful for when he was hungry and thirsty. And in verse 10, for when he was imprisoned in chains of misery. Most of these, he admits, they started as a result of poor decisions on his own part. But the question is, why be grateful for these moments? Why be grateful for times when you're hungry and thirsty or when you're lost or or homeless? Why? Why bother? Why even bother to think about it again? Why include those? Well, consider this as as an example. December 1620. 102 pilgrims were sailing across the Atlantic Ocean in this wooden boat known as the Mayflower. And they arrived in New England after trying to make their way to northern Virginia. See, a storm had blown them off course and they didn't even realize uh, that they weren't in northern Virginia until they had landed and come to discover that. And as they landed in that December of 1620, it left them really stuck in a bad way. You see, this was, this was obviously their first winter there. There were no homes there for them to, to uh, shelter in from the cold. They were actually sleeping in the boat out in the bay while trying to build homes in this hard, cold ground. Most of them got sick. There were only a handful of them 
that could work at a time because the rest of them were in the boat ill. Half of them died before the winter was over. It wasn't until the spring of that next year that they met uh, some Native Americans. And these Native Americans started to teach them how to hunt and how to fish and how to farm. And it was that first fall where the harvest, when the harvest came in that these pilgrims decided, the ones who were still alive, that they were going to throw a Thanksgiving feast and they were going to invite their Native American friends to be a part of that with them. And they celebrated not just for one meal but for three days. Three days they celebrated eating wild turkey and duck and geese and fish and venison together and thanking God for their Native American friends who had helped them. You see, their life had not been easy. They had come to grips with the fact that they weren't entitled to anything. Not to life, not to happiness, not to financial security, not to anything. They had been entrusted with these things. And their response in that moment couldn't be anything but gratitude, but thanksgiving. Another example I have of this, I just, it's just been kind of fresh this weekend. Um, I just received an email um, from Michelle Fleming. Some of you know the Fleming family if you've been around Grace for a while. Mark has served on our leadership team. He's been on our operations team for a number of years, working behind the scenes. And he has been struggling with colon cancer that has kind of spread throughout his body. And uh, I received a note just from Michelle just a, a day or so ago. And I won't read the whole thing to you, but I just thought I'd share with you a couple of lines. Because you know, she was sharing with me that she had just talked with her kids about the fact that it looks like dad isn't going to be able to make it. And that how hard that conversation was. But this is what she said um, at one point in the email. She said, so I told the kids that we've been entrusted. That God believes in us so much. That he knows he can trust us with this awful thing. And that we will take this awful thing and use it for his glory and for the good of many. He trusts us that we will not turn bitter or worse and turn away from him. He trusts us to believe that we were created and chosen for such a time, task, and relationship as this. And that we will keep our eyes totally on him for each breath and step we take in this. I need this reminder, Dave, because sometimes I can't see it. But I am so grateful to have a word for this season that helps us keep focused on the bigger plan and purpose. And that each time I go into that dark room where my husband lays dying, I feel blessed to be entrusted with someone's last breath on this earth. That I will see him again in eternity because of the sacrifice God made as he enriched himself with those he entrusted to be around his own son for his last breath. In gratitude, Michelle. Um... Friday night I was over there visiting with him and talking with him about having some difficult conversations. And, you know, one of the things that he had asked me about just a, two or three weeks ago here in the breezeway after one of the services, he said, Dave, you know, I really want to get baptized. He says, all these years I've been procrastinating, I've been putting it off, I've been thinking, ah, I'll do that some other time. He says, now I'm starting to realize I, I, I don't have a lot of time left and, and I want to do this. And so he had these plans to do this and his health has been failing so rapidly, it's kind of caught up on him. And so Friday night, I showed up at his house, and I was laying by his bedside, and he was sharing with me that disappointment. And I'm like, dude, who says you can't get baptized? I said, we can do this right here, right now. And we went, I went and grabbed a cup of water, 
I grabbed the family around him. We put a towel under his head and we baptized him right there in the bed Friday night. And it was a celebration. And he wants to express to each one of you how grateful he is to you. How much you mean to him in his life. So as we think about that and the, the, all these examples of good times and in bad, how we can have Thanksgiving, let me just ask you, how do we do it? How do we, where do we come up with that? How do we live into a life of Thanksgiving like that? How can, what can we take from people like Mark or from the pilgrims or from the words of Psalm 107 to keep ourselves in a posture of thankfulness and to stay thankful all year long, not just on one day a year? Let me share just a couple things with you really quickly. Number one, I think it starts with an inward attitude of humility. An attitude that centers around the reality that we aren't entitled, that we're not more important than anyone else. Because it can be so easy, right, to look at other people and to, to judge. To, to think, well, they should work as hard as I do. Or to look at our own homes or our own cars or our own bank accounts and to think, I worked hard for this. I... Dang, I, I deserve this. Without pausing to remind ourselves, who gave me the ability to work hard? Who gave me the intelligence? Who gave me the will, the, the drive, the strength, the health, the determination? Was it not God as well? Humility is the perspective. It, it's, the, it's the response that Jesus had when he was on the earth. It was the example that he set for us. And humility is the response that the book of James says is a wise response. Did you ever think that gratitude starts with humility? Makes sense, doesn't it? So a life of thanksgiving, it starts with this inward posture of humility, but it also involves an outward expression of gratitude on a regular basis. As Psalm 107 says, give thanks Speak out for what God has done. That is expressed through our praise and worship toward God as we were just doing a few moments ago here in this room. It's also expressed through our lives and how we choose to live them. As President Kennedy once said, as we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation isn't to utter words, but to live by them. It's also expressed in the simple ways that we express gratitude to other people. How we use words like, thank you, and I'm so grateful to you, and you are so kind. The details of our everyday lives can so easily clutter our minds and our hearts. And we can forget those simple words, right? Over time, if we forget those words, someone might think or start to question that we are thankful. So we have to choose to be intentional in how we express those things. The, the last thing that I think of as I think about how to have this posture of thanksgiving all the time is to have a continual attitude of, and posture of remembrance. Finding ways to remember what God has done for you keeps you from drifting into places of entitlement and discontent. Psalm 105, just a couple of chapters before the one we were reading this morning, it encourages us to remember what God has done and that that has to be an intentional act. 
You know, a year or two ago, I talked with you about this in a message, and I talked with you about this idea of considering creating a gratitude journal. I remember if you, some of you were here then, and you remember that. I was talking to one of you just a, a few weeks ago, and you were telling me how over the last year or two you've kept that up and how much that has meant to you to have that, that gratitude journal, which is so cool. In your online sermon notes today, I've given you a couple. If you've, if you've got a smartphone or tablet, you can download an app from the App Store that helps you keep in mind to put these thoughts of gratitude in there. But I've put a couple of examples, in your, in your, as I said, in your online sermon notes that you can download if you want and, and give this a shot. I've also given you in your sermon notes this week a, uh, an article with some tips on how to, how to use a gratitude journal and how to make it meaningful to you in your life. As well as an article about how to instill gratitude in the lives of your, just your everyday life at home with your kids. Today, today's passage talks with us about this idea of speaking out. And so today, I don't want you to just hear from me. I want you to hear from a couple of other people in our community. I want you to hear a couple of stories uh, of how people, others in our community have been experiencing this attitude of gratitude. And so this morning I want you to hear from, from Tim Henson, one of the newest elders on our spiritual leadership team in just a moment. But first I want you to hear from Brian Brinkley, who's been serving as our interim youth pastor for the last few months. Would you give Brian a hand? So pastor asked me to kind of look over this psalm, Psalm 107, and maybe pick a few verses that I thought kind of spoke into uh, or kind of spoke in my life when it comes to these different ideas of being entrusted with time and talents and resources. And as I read over it a few times, uh, verses four through nine uh, really stuck out to me. Some of the redeemed had wandered into the desert, into the wasteland. They couldn't find their way to a city or town. They were hungry and thirsty. Their lives were slipping away. So they cried out to the Lord in their distress, and God delivered them from their desperate circumstances. God led them straight to human habitation. Let them thank the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all people, because God satisfies the one who was parched with thirst and filled up the hungry with good things. We find Israel here after their captivity or exile uh, in Babylon, wandering the wilderness, looking for a place to settle, a place to call home. It wouldn't be long before thirst, hunger, and other physical needs would lead to confusion, anxiety, and maybe panic. Yeah, they were free from yet another exile, another captivity, but to what end? What, uh, what end would justify kind of starving in the wilderness? Maybe you're like me and you've experienced these types of valleys in faith life, knowing that God has called you out of something and into something else. But into what? Maybe like me, you know what that thing was, but the amount of time to achieve the what caused confusion and anxiety and panic maybe in your own life. I used to think that the time God was making me take to finish seminary was a sign that I had made some big mistake. I mean, after all, what was the point of taking all this time and money and effort to get a sheet of paper to justify the fact that I can do the job I was already doing. It caused me to make radical life changes that barely made sense to myself, much less maybe some of you in the congregation, certainly my family and my friends. But each time I found myself in that panic or doubt, when I would cry out to God for explanations, 
he reminded me of all the experiences that he was entrusting me to, all the relationships that I was developing, the extra ministry experience that I gained serving the families at Lakeway UMC in Texas, the time with my family in Texas that I never would have gotten otherwise, and how much closer I was able to actually connect to God without that 50-hour-a-week retail job at AT&T. And after all, all of that time eventually led me back here in this place today, talking with you, my church family, and returned me to my family here in Tucson. And I'm extremely grateful for that last part. So hopefully, if you find yourselves wandering in some wilderness, looking for answers, you'll remember to cry out to God as well, just like Israel, and be reminded that once we realize we've been entrusted by God to these incredible gifts of time, talents, and treasures, our only response can be to use them with a heart of gratitude. Thank you. This past week, uh, I was listening to the radio, and they said that they had uh, polled all these people who had uh, experienced great happiness. And what was the most common trait among people that were very happy? And I'm sure you can guess what the answer was. It was gratitude. It was gratefulness, thankfulness. And maybe it was just uh, an, an easy news piece to do during Thanksgiving weekend. That could be. But I found it was very true for my own life. The moments when I found myself most happy tended to be the times when I feel like I got something I didn't really deserve to get. I got better than, than I intended, certainly more than I deserved. It wasn't feeling like, well, I got this out of my own effort or because I was entitled to it. It tended to be like if we got some bad news and then we got a little bit of good news or we really needed some money to come in because things were really tight and somehow a check came in or something, I would find myself feeling like, thank you. Thank you, God, for pulling me out of tough situation again. I was thinking about this specifically as I was reading through chapter 107 of Psalm. Um, verse 23, I'll read it to you. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. When I was 21 years old, I was recruited to do a job that I was not prepared to do. Uh, I had no talent or ability to do this job, no experience. The person who recruited me, I didn't know him very well. He was older than me. He'd lived in our small town, but I didn't know him well. And um, the job was dangerous. I was going to be doing it by myself for very little pay. And because I was young and foolish, I said, okay, I'll do it. This will be great. <clears throat> the job was to be a whitewater river rafting guide on the Deschutes River in Central Oregon. <laughs> Has anyone been on this river? A couple, okay, I won't exaggerate, exaggerate that because you're well, at second service. I'm going to make it up to be a much bigger story. Um, <clears throat> so, so this is a very dangerous job. People die on this river. It's a whitewater rapid. I think we have a picture. Um, see, there you go. Uh, look at the big, thick head of hair. I'm distracted now. <laughs> Jeanette, I'm, I'm used to seeing this on a small, dusty 8x10 in my office, but it looks better on the big screen. Um, so my job was not even to be a rafting guide with a bunch of other rafters, where we're all kind of getting us out of the, the rapids, but I was the equipment boat driver. 
I, we have that big, huge barbecue in the back there. All the camping equipment, the food, the gear, everything for a three-day trip every week. I'd been on the river one time before. I'm a city kid. I was not experienced to do this job, and I was horrible at it. I, all summer, I never got good at it. But when I asked our boss, my boss, why did you recruit me for this? And he said, well, you go to Whitworth College, now Whitworth University. You go to Whitworth College, so I figured you're a Christian, and I've recently become a Christian, and several of the other guys on the crew are Christians, and I thought kind of be nice for the summer for us to have some fun, some adventure, and at night around the campfire to read some scripture, pray, and draw closer to God. Every week we would do this three-day trip, and on the third day of that trip, you would end up at Boxcar Rapids, which was kind of the granddaddy of all the rapids on that route. And it was terrifying for me. Um, I drew closer to God that summer. I really drew closer <laughs> to God every Sunday morning of that summer um, because as you'd go through this slow-moving river and then it would narrow right before Boxcar Rapids into this channel and there's kind of high rock walls on the left and jagged rocks on the right. And once you're in that, you can't get out and then you're going down the big drop. And I would take time to pray and thank God for the grand, grand experience, thank God for the beauty, and then I'd get down to some serious praying, just keep me alive for five more minutes. That was literally what I would pray because I just I was not very skilled at this. And God used this opportunity to draw me closer to him and to develop a weekly or, or several times a week pattern of prayer that I hadn't had before. I'm going to go back to Psalm 107. Verse 28 then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm. I know this for a fact. They were glad when it grew calm. And he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our Creator, we thank you so much for the air we're breathing right now, for the privilege of being able to be together where we can smile and cry and um, spend time in your word and in fellowship with each other as we strive to grow closer to you, Lord. Let's each of us take some time to be in silent prayer for a moment to give thanks for the blessings that you've given to us. Lord, this morning we're also mindful of um, the fact that even as we're experiencing these moments of thankfulness and gratitude, Lord, that um, there are those around us who do not know you, who have not experienced what we are experiencing even now. For some of us, it's our, our, our loved ones, our families, our, our close friends. God, we just ask today that... Um, that this, these things that you have shown us this month, that you've entrusted to us, our, our finances and our talents and our time, Lord, may we not put this on a shelf and just kind of forget about it, but Lord, each and every day that we would remind ourselves that we have been entrusted with these things. And Lord, that each day we would see as a new gift, a, a time to be able to use, to be able to make a difference in someone else's life for you. Lord, even now we are... We ask that you would bring to mind those people in, 
in our lives that we perhaps have forgotten about, that um, you have put into our lives to help see Jesus. And God, that you would give us the words, the, the, the thoughts to be able to share with them when the, when the appropriate time comes so that they might perhaps take a step closer to Jesus even as we are now. In Jesus' name.